Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Hello, welcome to Business is Unusual. This is Aisla, and today I am here with Kyle Asperger, founder of Studio 301. Welcome, Kyle. Hi there. Thanks for having me, Aisla. So glad to have you here. And uh, before we dive in, what's the last thing that you did for fun? I went to an ecstatic dance last night out in Boulder. Oh, wow. That is, that's one of my like favorite ways to just kind of dive into my like inner child and just freely and without judgment just let him exist and play for a little bit is it was that one of the ones like i used to go to rhythm nation a very long time ago and there was no like no talking is that like that yeah, or no talking which is also one of my favorite parts mm-hmm. <laughs> it just kind of it, like it allows you to be a little bit more fully grounded in the moment yeah and i think it helps with just like helping everybody feel a little bit more comfortable in the space too. I think that's important, like reconnecting to joy and honestly, like that physical expression. I love dancing. I always feel something in me kind of connects when I can really embrace that aspect. So I feel that. Will you introduce a little bit about Studio 301 and or you founded a company in 2018 to get the message out for mission-driven organizations? Sure. So what is, tell us more about that. Yeah, we're a marketing solution for mission-driven organizations. Usually it's the kind of small to mid-sized organization that we find the most opportunity for us to kind of infuse our time, our talents, our expertise into. It's the teams that usually only have maybe one or two people that would have the title of like marketing director or could be like a social media coordinator or something like that. And so it's the teams that have a couple capabilities but otherwise they just they're stretched so thin that I came across this recently that someone was taking like online classes to learn how to like graphic design and all this stuff I'm like hey that's awesome good for you being self-motivated and actually having the time and ability to like learn these new things but also if you're doing this for the size of the company that you're talking about like you should have <clears throat> a more significant partner in the fold that is here to assist you just on an as-needed basis, like somebody that you can just reach out to whenever and just say, like, hey, like we're working on this video production, we can't handle the editing, something like that. That's where we can really come in and just partner with a ton of different. But yeah, it, size-wise, we're in that kind of five to 50 employees, one to five million in revenue as far as the types of businesses and the other areas that we can partner with. To give you, I guess, like a personal side, the Studio 301, the 301 within that, that's my home address. So from birth, I was adopted like into my family. And so that was my childhood home address, which my parents still live at to this day. And so really what that just embodies is the foundation of like my life personally. That's a great way to honor your path to bring that into the business. Thank you for sharing. Of course, yeah. It's a very, it's a visceral part of me, my past, and has nothing to do with any of the business that we're actually operating to these days. This business is unusual. So what do you feel is unusual about what you're doing with your work at Studio 301? A year ago, I would have said not a darn thing. 
there's, we're not reinventing the wheel where marketing is understand the strategy, understand the audience, understand the community, and then figure out the most efficient way of actually tapping into all of those different elements within a budget. That at the core is what we do. The, the bar these days, as far as I can tell, within the world of marketing solutions is so crazy low that like companies will say we're like on the verge of firing our current marketing agency because they just they don't talk to us they're not delivering they're delivering ineffective solutions or they're just way too expensive a litany of things but on a very basic level communication is always at the core of what so many of these clients are calling out as being one of the primary issues that they're encountering with their current partners. It just seems that marketing agencies suck at communicating. And for us, we keep our team small. I'm just, I'm always on my phone. Not in a, I'm not actually here or present with you, but I'm a very responsive individual. So me being more or less the first touch point within the company, you're going to be heard and you'll be responded to. And from the, Hardcore empaths, you know, somebody who's at least understood in many cases, probably what your company is going through, what your team is encountering on a regular basis. So you're not only going to be receiving response, but chances are you're going to have solutions presented to you very early on. And they're solutions that are attainable for your team. Like that's the keys. We don't say, here's exactly how much we're going to cost because I've have numerous different partnerships that kind of can cater to a range of different needs in varying different scopes. And so because of that, we can really cater our deliverables, our services to the respective clients to be able to cater to their budget, their timeline, needs, whatever. And if we can't actually handle it, we'll point them to a trusted partner that can. So it's interesting that you say that because I wrote down a question about communication and design in my own experience in working with graphic designers, and when you were saying someone was teaching themselves, I know that there are times when I've just been like, I need to just do it because I'm not getting the engagement or connection or communication that makes me feel confident. And I take it on myself. I've re- I recently learned a few years ago, I have a condition called aphantasia, which means I can't make pictures in my head. And so I know some of the design challenges I had in communication were because there was an expectation of I had an idea about what I wanted and I actually didn't. However, (laughs) in the larger sense, I feel like that happens a lot where people don't, they don't feel like they know how to communicate what they are looking for. Maybe they don't even know what they are looking for. The first level of communication needs to be sussing that out. So can you dig into that a little bit? I'm curious how you how you help people know. Is that accurate? Do you have to help them notice what they're looking for? And then also how to express it? Or is it more when you're communicating, just being responsive? It's in a lot of ways, it's a combination of both. The solution provider, sometimes, and especially this is quite nonprofits with small teams that are not nearly experts in everything, which is, that's insane for anybody to say like, all right, just because you're at the head of a nonprofit, you know a little bit about everything. That's not the case. A lot of people just don't quite know what the the marketing solutions that will be ideal for their campaign, for their, whatever it is, the message that they're trying to get out into the world. So for us, sometimes we love it when teams are like, all right, here's what we need. And we'll 
because that takes so much of the planning and the logistics on our lift that just lightens the load. All we can do is really just say, you're on a good path. Like how else can we further equip you to maintain course and plow through whatever it is that you're trying to get done? Love that. It makes it easier for us. Others will need a whole heck of a lot of handholding along the way. And that's totally fine too, because half of what we do is just educate. It's one of the most important elements in life and one of the most effective forms of advertising alone um, is just educational content. But from our side, we don't make a move until we have total like client sign off on saying like, all right, this is a good direction. This is going to help us really tap into the market that we're trying to. And to do that, we have to very clearly lay out, well, here's the plan. Here's how we're going to do it. And here's all these different moving pieces has to be obviously clarified. A note, which kind of it like floated around my head as you were kind of like saying in relation to the individual that was teaching themselves how to like graphic design, communications design alone is a very interesting thing that I think in many ways is very trivialized these days. There's so many graphic designers out there and people are like, great, I have $12, make this investor deck for me. And then somebody out there is going to be like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, that's like the resting baseline for like, all right, great, we got this cool deck, cost me 12 bucks. Why are you not able to make that same thing for me? You're saying it's going to be $2,500. So where's this price and discrepancy coming from? Chances are the person that said they can do it for 12 bucks was not here in the States. That's one of the key differences. But sidebar aside, when it comes to information and getting it out there in the public, like design thinking is just, it's it's simplicity elevated. Mm -hmm. That's it at its core. So how do you take a body of information and most eloquently like get it out in a way that you're target audience can most easily digest it. When it comes to building up, say like a one pager or something like that, the way that I always start as far as like literally designing something from like the creative direction standpoint, you got to think about like, all right, what's the most critical element? Does this have to look good or does it have to actually get the information across? What is the most important aspect here? And if it's design, the utility is always to get the most important information across to the viewer in the easiest way possible. So from there, have you ever played the game like Tetris? So it's very similar. It is the same as like packing up a car or something for a road trip, or perhaps even more like a moving truck, something that you have a ton of different pieces and you have to figure out which ones fit, how they all fit together in the most effective way possible. Because you only have so much space that you can actually utilize to get this message, to get this truck full. So Taking the different pieces that you have, it could be contact, headline, byline, body copy, some sign-off, something like that, and maybe an image or a link to a video or something like that, QR code. Take these different pieces, slap them up on the page, and then it's a matter of how do these pieces just most optimally like fit together in a way that everything has breathing space, that the page doesn't become cramped, that the information is all legible and that there's a clear hierarchy to the information once you get it all laid out and that that is achieved that like overall right get this information out there show it cleanly then you can spruce it up and shine it however you need to that a lot of people when they approach a graphic design endeavor of all kinds they think well this is kind of like the look at the aesthetic that i need And they get two in their heads about this is what the client wants to see as far as a final pretty deliverable. And they forget that the information has to be like, the information is king. Put that there and then figure out how to spruce it up. 
I'm taking notes. <laughs> no, that's really smart. It's a total sidebar too. So sorry about that. No, I appreciate it. I think that's I think it's really helpful for people to think about because I do think that especially with how noisy everything is, we see we're so stimulated all the time at this point that knowing what information needs to be presented and identifying that as your priority. Oh yeah, of course. I agree. That's not necessarily where we start. And I think it's great insight to offer to folks. So thank you for that. Sure. What inspired you to do this work or start this company? At the time it was frustration. I just, I was coming out of corporate and the the different managerial styles that I was working with, they were all very effective I think at one point in time, but for me personally, there was just a matter of either direction was unclear or there were just things that I wasn't able to like really jive with that led me to that point of just being like, all right, I have to go work for myself because if I'm going to sit here and continue making money for other people, I'm not going to be learning nearly as much as I will if I actually go off on my own. And at least like I started just freelancing and then the company evolved out of that. The moral of it is I had to go do my own thing to learn as much as I could in a shortened period of time. The amount I learned if I was still stuck in somebody else's office, that would have been, we would not be here now, the case. So that at the beginning, it was really just frustration, a want and a desire. I saw that I was a bit stagnant. I needed to learn more so that I can grow, evolve, find the contacts that I needed to, and actually like network with people who would inevitably end up being extraordinary mentors and to this day, really, really good friends. So that was it at the beginning. These days, on a selfish level, it's just a matter of fulfillment. What we do hasn't shifted. It's strictly who we do it for now, these mission-driven organizations that if we know that we're actually serving people that are on a mission to whether it's clean, clean up the oceans or prevent unnecessary like forest fires or it, something, it's just, it's an honor to live vicariously through these other individuals' missions and their passions. And that for me, that's why I love working with the experts that we bring in. These They could be web developers, copywriters, brand design experts, anybody who's a, just a master of those. If you think about it, like when you go into a workshop and somebody just says, all right, here's what's going to happen. Here's how we're going to do it. All this stuff. And they're a good leader. They're a good coordinator. That's because they're a master of their, their domain. And if you ever think about the feeling that you get, I guess I should say that I get when I'm in these cases where somebody's just in control effortlessly, there's such a feeling of calm. There's the comfort of knowing where it is that my needs are, they're going to be taken care of without a doubt. Those are the hands that I'm in. And that is why I love working with experts because that's the feeling that they elicit for me. They give me the comfort. They give me the confidence to be able to walk into any conversation these days with these prospective clients and say, what is it that is giving you such a goddamn headache that you're actually talking to me right now? And from there, I say, boy, am I sorry to hear that. (laughs) But I have a solution for you. Or Mm. I have multiple solutions for you and we'll see which one works most effectively. Nice to feel that sense of you can trust the process or the person driving the car. Who do you typically work with or who thrives with your service? Who have you found gets the most out of what you're up to? Smaller teams, the teams that need to be resourceful because we, in a lot of ways, are very similarly, we're small, we're we're resourceful. And so we very similarly speak that language of 
you're not going to have all the different resources under the same roof. If that's the case, think about United Way, for instance, like a massive nonprofit. They have a full marketing team. They, they have all of these different resources because they're extraordinarily well-funded. We don't even, there's no point in us trying to bat with anybody in that realm. They have all their needs, everything that we offer, they've had taken care of. So that would be the antithesis of what we're actually looking for. The teams that I have my salespeople reach out to, they're these smaller nonprofits, these nonprofits that maybe only have, I don't know, say 10 to like 50K that they can actually allocate toward these different marketing objectives, whether that's in a year or just on a per project basis. So it's those kinds of really just the smaller teams that we can really integrate in. And if we work with somebody, we more or less become part of their team mm-hmm. while we're working, collaborating with them. Um, because that's it. what I say to clients these days is like, if I'm actually going to work with you, Isila, is Isila? Isila. Isila. Okay. If I'm to work with you and say, I need you to be here to support me just as we're going to be here to support you. We can't just do like a clean handoff and say, we'll be here. We need your help. We need your expertise. We need to understand the tone that your company is taking to actually resonate with whoever your audience is. We're a solution, but we need help to actually be able to pro- provide any of the solutions that we do. If that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that that's something that I've seen a lot with consulting and the work is that it's a tricky balance in that, of course, you're going to be self-managed and self-initiated, and you also need that mutuality in terms of understanding not just their resources, but their expectations, their needs, their language. And yeah, like integrating with the team seems like a great way to bring that all together and to make sure everybody knows what's happening. Because I, when things move so fast, sometimes people just want you to handle it. But then... They see where you went and they're like, oops. <laughs> and then yeah. it can be a little awkward. So I might just sure that I think it goes back to what you said before, like communication, communication being so key. Yeah. Communicate regularly and those pitfalls of the, whoa, we're this far down the project. We haven't signed off on this in three weeks. It's insane. That should not happen. There shouldn't yeah. be moves that are made without people signing off on every single step along the way, no matter how large or small the team is that actually has to sign off on it. If it's one person, great. You need green lights across the board to actually move forward. What's a typical problem you solve? I'm like, hey, Kyle, I have business X. I come to you. (laughs) What am I talking to you about? A lot of it, like where companies actually find their funding is one of the biggest things. Some of it could just be grants and whatnot. But there has to be a certain level of communication that's achieved to actually build out the grant for those different government agencies that are actually spitting out that funding. Now, if they're individuals that are going to be the like venture capitalists or solopreneurs that just have a lot of money that they're sitting on looking to invest, that's where very specific kinds of communication have to come into play. Um, whether that's testimony videos, custom redacts that are catered to the specific individuals. We'll have, recently we had a client that read or more or less just gave the entire like investor presentation just on the camera like, as we are right now. Cut in footage to assist with the story that they're telling along the way. So it's more or less, it's an investor deck 
that would otherwise be in PDF form, but it's shown in video. It's a little bit shorter, it's digestible, and it's just, it's more engaging for a lot of investors and just people these days. Video is always more digestible. No one's sitting here reading, which is unfortunate. I still love physical books too. Just Mm -hmm. there's something enjoyable about them. But chunk it up to laziness, chunk it up to just short attention spans these days. I don't know what. That's just where we are these days. But yeah, it's again, it's all, it's strategic communication. How do we communicate to the right people that you need to? Yeah. That in its core, whether it's through investor materials or testimonial videos, clients actually speaking about their very direct ex- experience with whatever the product or service is. There's the amount of money that can be made with these different tools and different assets when they are in the hands of the CEO of the company. It just investors will just go, okay, here's my entire wallet take it where yours i don't think there's a single nonprofit that wouldn't love that so <laughs> absolutely yeah. so. nonprofits for profits the use is omnisciently almost identical across the board we have to communicate with a certain audience whether it's one individual or millions how do we cram this message down their throat in a way that it's not spammy it doesn't hurt or maybe it has to. Sometimes it has to be painful to actually be received by the people that need to. Think about like non-smoking campaigns. Yeah. How else are you going to get people that are chronically addicted to smoking? Something that actually gives you a very overall pleasing, soothing feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm not an actual smoker, but this is going off of hearsay. Some messages you need to punch on some of them, but it depends on what message, what, who the audience is, and how they will effectively receive it. I think that's, it makes sense that it's strategic communication ultimately. And I don't know that I've ever heard it summarized like that. It's really helpful. How will you know you've succeeded in your company? Not necessarily the specific client, but this new, this perspective that you have of being agents of change and really serving these organizations. What's going to be the moment that you're like, okay, we're, we're either on the path or we are definitely going arriving to something that feels like the place we want to get to. We are, we're on the path. That much I'm very aware of whether or not enough people know that we're on the right path. That's the part that I'm currently working the hardest on is how do I get the word out? I have a small sales team that I work with. And this is, this is one of those like interesting moments of what I would call founders syndrome thinking, okay, I've done everything up to this point. Why can't I lead a sales team as well? So I did. I started that. And then I connected with somebody that I've ran into a couple of times in different networking businesses. And she's, we have an online webinar coming up on Thursday and she's just a networking savant. She's incredible at this. She does it very regularly. And she like, so sales is just in general, it's her domain. She is an expert. And when I told her, here's what we're doing currently, sales outreaches and whatnot. First thing that comes out of her mouth is a dumbass. You just wasted how much money doing this? (laughs) And so this is just one of those moments of acknowledge fully that I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I need to be able to do this and I feel like I should. That's the founder syndrome aspect. But then the important realization is like, I'm not trained to actually know how to guide a sales team. So mm-hmm. having somebody's expertise that can say, Dude, you're a fucking idiot. Don't do it like this. This is a, what a mentor does. 
is they point out these moments of weakness. And as the respected bosun or the leader is to realize, all right, this is no longer my specialty. I got to do something different. And some of this is going to be uncomfortable. Some of this is going to be potentially breeze or whatnot. And so we've implemented a new, a number of different sales, like strategies, tactics, outreach, starting with Apollo.io and that integrates with LinkedIn. So we can really farm our different perspective leads from that. And then we can focus on email and LinkedIn messaging as our two primary methods of getting through the outreach process. And it's just mm. came from here. Quite honestly, I forget what your initial question was, but Founder's syndrome, it just, it happens. No, it does. Actually, that's my consulting business. I do fractional operations for smaller businesses. And I've frequently, I describe my sort of ideal client as someone who is so competent, it is starting to cause them issues because they can, they're smart and they're curious and they're hard workers. So they can literally do anything. And should they be doing it, right? Is that the right place for them to be spending their creative energy? Sure. And if you can only so, give like 10% of your time and energy or better yet, your know-how, okay, you're getting it done, but are you actually doing it effectively? Are you doing it the cheapest way possible for yourself, for your company? Chances are no. Find somebody else that is that expert that can actually take over for whatever that is. And so I applaud you for noticing it. I certainly have my own moments of that. I'm not trying to pretend I'm above the fray. And I think it, it's a really good awareness to have as you move through the changes in your business because every business will grow or change and change sometimes. And so being able to say, oh, okay, these are the places where I bring the most benefit to what I'm up to my clients and to yourself too, right? Because you're part of it. We live in a workaholic society. <laughs> so you gotta like, really be aware of that too. So I applaud and, you for that. Yeah, thank you. It's that's perhaps one of the most important things about being a leader is just realize where your shortcomings are and actually embrace them and tell people about them. Mm -hmm. If you're embarrassed about, oh, I can't do all this and I don't feel like it's so confident, good. Let people know that's how we can help each other. No one's actually going to judge you. That's the leaders are thought to be these experts in so many different ways, but a good leader just acknowledges where they suck and other people can come in and help. Yeah. Healthy, healthy systems definitely have that kind of balance where you go back and forth as to who's leading. You're going to have this person lead your sales team because they've got that expertise and awareness of what you're up to too. Like it has to be the right fit. Yeah. What's the best advice you have received given or both either? Just in life. Life, business, laundry washing, I, whatever comes to mind for you. <laughs> Don't use dryer sheets. <laughs> so bad. Uh, so bad. <laughs> yeah, no point. Outside of that. I don't know. A couple of years ago, like I volunteered at a hotel in Costa Rica and these two individuals that are the owners of this hotel, I put myself out there very intentionally. And I knew that like, they're intelligent, they're engineers by trade, extraordinarily successful hotel too. Emotionally, two very intelligent individuals. At the time, you know, we're in the middle of COVID, I'd gone through a breakup, work stress, all that, just things were just piling up. And I was seeing a therapist at the time, it was reasonably successful, but I needed 
just more. So I said, all right, I'm going to go volunteer at this hotel, knowing full well that I would have at least maybe a good conversation or two with these individuals, these hotel hoteliers. And they diagnosed numerous things that on just a core level had to change within me as an individual, as a leader, as a business person. Many of these things I've tried to address full on and actually implement change on a very personal level throughout my life. Because whether they're like personal things or things relating to the business itself, they all come back to like, chances are it affects Studio 301 in some manner or function. One of the prevailing elements that stood out as to what they said, what they imparted is that I lacked rather severely love in my life, whether it was my capacity to receive it or to give it. In a lot of ways, love is to be able to be empathetic to somebody else's situation, their just nature, their character, whoever, whatever. It's an interesting concept. It's like, all right, this is business. Why are you talking about love? It's not to say that I've been out in Colorado for like almost two years and all of a sudden like I'm just like, I have to love everything. That's like, there are people that do that and there's nothing wrong with that. As far as marketing and love is concerned, there's a respect and adoration that can really come from these conversations with prospective clients and say, knowing that somebody's actually on a mission, that there's a passion behind what it is that they're actually endeavoring. That's what makes it easier for me to love whatever they're embracing, whatever that they're trying to do. And if I'm able to love that journey for them, then what that means is that I can actually be a massive proponent of their further success. So to say that I don't walk into like any client situation and say, hi, I love you. I love yeah. your, that's a bold thing to say right off the bat. But the capacity to love and to see where one's passions really lie, that's the important part. Because that just helps us to be more effective at what we do. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it really does. And a lot of that comes really down to loving and understanding what I need personally and then how that translates to what others will more likely be needing in their own circumstances. A lot of cases, like you may say like, all right, right now I could a head rub or something like that. It's not just thing to ask for because they really feel good. They make you feel comfortable. They ground you. They calm you down. Your blood pressure just plummets. Your heart rate slows down. Everything feels right and natural. If that feels right, like that way for you, chances are it feels that way for somebody else. And at the core of every single business, every company, we still have humans. So if you don't acknowledge the fact that there's like a human element to any solution that you're providing, you're doing it wrong. AI has, has yet to take over so significantly that we can just step back and say, we don't need the human element here. So you just gotta ask for it there you go so what do you do to keep yourself inspired when it gets hard because business creativity love they're all hard sometimes i take care of whatever it is that i need whether it's deep breathing gym time food i make sure that i like eat what I need to fuel myself and be healthy, maintain a happy gut. There's a number of different like, tactics that people can employ that just like whatever I need to get back to my resting baseline. What impact do you seek to have through this business and this work? 
just good. We know that there are viable solutions that actually work in what we present. Um, and it's just, we're effective individuals. And to say we want to get the word out about us, that's really it. Like we are a solution. We're like that like Swiss army knife in the back pocket. If you walk outside anywhere in the world with a Swiss army knife, you know that you have a tool that can, whether it's uncork a wine bottle or whittle like a walking stick or a spear so you can go catch a fish. You're equipping yourself by having us in your back pocket. So for our listeners that want to know more or are interested in hiring you or want to know more about what you're up to, what's the best way for them to get involved? Do they get on an email list or? We do have an email list. We don't actually send out emails because fuck spam. There's no point. (laughs) We'll reach out to people when I need them. When I can't personally give myself the head rub that I need, that's when I will spam everybody and say, hi. Um, but otherwise it's just hop on over to our website. That's where we have the most information about the company, about who we can serve, how we do it. We have some case studies that I'm actually really quite proud of. One of which that we built out very recently. Those are some of the best instances to really kind of see and digest what we can do. Um, and I realized too recently that like, Previously, our company was optimized for people like myself, like marketing folks that do this on a daily basis. And I realized, thanks to the help of a like a nonprofit coach that I had a conversation with, he says, if I'm a nonprofit CEO, for instance, like I don't know a darn thing about marketing. Um, if I look at your site, it's not actually going to be like anything attainable for me. I won't know what any of this means. And I likely won't even know what I need. And I said, oh, all right, I'm going to perk up here. What does this mean? So what he says is optimize your site for the conversations that you're having. For me, I talk to agencies because we can partner with them. But then I also talk to businesses. These are the nonprofits, the for-profits, the small teams that actually need a marketing solution. I was talking to marketers exclusively. What he made me realize is that I need to be talking to both. So I re-optimized it to say, if you're looking for brand redesign, or something like that. What this really comes down to is if you find yourself like stuck in an outfit that like, I, I feel like I look like Dana Carvey's church lady. Is that really you? Do you, it, are you wearing an outfit that is actually appropriate for the, your personal brand? Whether or not you actually feel like you have a personal brand or if you do even have one, every single person is a brand. It is your reputation. It is the way that people actually know you on the street the way that your friends would talk about you, that is your brand, your reputation. Your clothing should embody that. It should actually help to bring that brand to life. It should make you feel more comfortable. It should bring more color to any room that you're in, whatever it is. And so what I did was quite simply, I just shaped our deliverables to be a little bit more metaphorical, kind of like that, to say, if your clothing isn't doing it, chances are you need to find a better suit get it fitted, tailored to your curves specifically. Mm-hmm. And we'll just, we'll help you do that. That's, that's the whole point. So as far as where people can actually reach out to us, it's just studio301.org, not .com, .org. That will trip people up. Mm-hmm. Just like Asperger's Atelier. But otherwise it's just Kyle at Studio 301. If you want to reach out to me directly, all of our contact information is there on the site. And there may even be a good chance that you actually have heard from either Wilson or Jeffrey and the two guys on the sales team. 
we're bed studio underscore 301 underscore on the Instagram machine. We're responsive on any and all platforms. If you are so inspired to hop onto the site, read around, and if it seems that we're actually a good solution for you, reach out to us. We will always chat with you and whether or not we actually are a good solution, I will tell you that very clearly the second that I'm actually able to have a conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kyle, to tell me what you guys are up to. Absolutely. Just the opportunity to, to spout out the good message here is always greatly appreciated. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, Sila. Thank you. Bye.